Well, before we turn to God's Word, I do want to just mention the uh, men's discipleship group that meets at 7.30 via Zoom uh, every Sunday morning. I want to encourage our brothers in the Lord to be a part of this. Uh, We'll be sending out further notice. We're just finishing up a recent uh, study of uh, my book, Respect the Image, that uh, a number of us have gone through together and been challenged by and hopefully encouraged by. Uh, In coming weeks and months, I believe we're going to go through the book, Delighting in the Trinity, uh, a book that exalts and elevates the person of God, the uh, God who is th- one but three and three in one. Uh, many of us have questions. We have confusion about the Trinity. This book is going to help us see wonderful things. Hence, it's titled Delighting in the Trinity. Brothers, I'll be looking for further information about that, and I trust that God will bless us as we fellowship together. So let's open up God's Word uh, today to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, as we continue in our series of studies uh, in the book of Acts, these expositions of the early church's life as it was filled with the Holy Spirit. And our text today is Acts 14, beginning in verse 19. Acts 14, beginning in verse 19. Please open your Bible. And uh, keep your Bible open as we'll be turning to a few different texts in this message. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19, where we read, But Jews, that is, by the way, New Testament language for Jewish leaders and authorities, the Jewish leaders and authorities came from Antioch and Iconium. They came from those towns towns to Lystra, uh, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, where Paul had just recently been stoned. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, where he had just recently been persecuted, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Let's pray. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and minister to us now through your word. Father, this is your word declared. Jesus, this is a word about you and your grace in our lives. Holy Spirit, we need you to enlighten our minds and our hearts so that we can receive your word and understand your word and be blessed by it. So, triune God, come 
and anoint this moment for your glory and our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am sure that if I were t- we were all together and I were to ask, how many of you at this moment in your life need encouragement? How many of you need to be strengthened in your soul? If I were, we were together and I were to ask that question, I imagine, I am pretty sure that virtually everyone in the room would raise their hand. The reality is that there is much going on around that can lead to discouragement and a weakening of our faith. This week alone, I've spoken with a man with three growing kids who, no matter how much he tries and no matter how hard he works, just cannot seem to break even, never mind, get ahead. I spoke with a couple who see why our church is moving into a new location for the sake of mission, but who expressed grief over the loss that it entails. I spoke with a woman who was grieving a number of losses and significant changes in her life. I spoke with another man who was deeply discouraged over a wayward child. I spoke with a pastor who who was facing multiple challenges in his church. I, I spoke with mission workers whose town has been devastated by earthquakes. I spoke with a woman who is grieving the loss of her marriage. Spoke with a dear friend who just lost his close brother to COVID. I prayed for Wilbrod Chanda's family grieving over the sudden loss of this wonderful man of God. I prayed for people among us who are grieving justice that has never been found and freedoms that they fear to be lost. I look in the mirror and I see a man who is battling intense, never stopping pain for decades. I I read the signs of the times and the sacred scriptures and I see that persecution for our faith is fast approaching with no human way to stop it. Brothers and sisters, there there is a weakening and a discouraging effect that life in this fallen world can have upon us. And because of that, we need Spirit-filled comfort and encouragement. And it has always been that way. If we go back into the book of Acts, to the earliest days and years of the faith, and to the early advancement of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we find out that essential to Paul and Barnabas' ministry and mission was, as this text tells us, the strengthening of the souls of the disciples through Spirit-filled encouragement. If If you were to read through the book of Acts in the original language in which it was written, the Greek language, you would notice that there are at least 24, two dozen times when the Greek word that is here translated encouraged or encouragement is used. 
Sometimes that word is translated comfort, sometimes encourage, sometimes urge, sometimes invite, sometimes plead. But it always or almost always has a sense of coming alongside of others with strong and earnest and heartfelt, uplifting, inspiring words with the intent of strengthening and blessing others. Biblical, Spirit-filled encouragement involves earnest words meant to move people in a positive direction. Earnest words meant to move people in a positive direction. And I want to suggest to you that this was a major part of New Testament, early church, Spirit-filled church life. When the Spirit of God falls upon the church and fills believers, encouragement and comfort happen. This has been the the real theme throughout this current series of messages in the book of Acts. What happens when the Spirit of God falls upon and fills the church? When that happens, prayer happens, and reverence happens, and godliness happens. When that happens, evangelism happens, and many other things happen. This morning we're going to see when the Spirit falls upon and fills the church, encouragement happens. And in part, it's because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are told by our Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John, His name is Comforter. It's the the Greek word. He is our encourager. He is our comforter. He is our helper to lift us and carry us. And so we read just back in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, these words about the church that walking, Acts 9 and verse 31, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort, that's our word, in the comfort, in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the encourager, when He comes upon the church, when He falls upon the church, He comforts God's people. And He does this sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly through us. So, in Acts chapter 11, Just flip over there a couple of pages to Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. It says, When Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted. That's the same word. He exhorted, he encouraged, he comforted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for... He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we will encourage others. Brothers and sisters, we need fresh fillings of the Spirit. We need fresh fillings of the Spirit to encourage one another to continue in our faith as we go through many tribulations. That's the point of our Acts 14 text. We need fresh fillings of the Spirit as we have seen. When the Spirit falls and fills, He 
comforts and encourages. So we need fresh fillings of the Spirit to encourage one another to continue in our faith as we go through many tribulations. Now, As we come to this text today, I, I don't want to talk about encouragement. I want to encourage. I want this to be an exercise in encouragement. And so I'm going to look at the text with you and guide you through the text. Hopefully the Spirit of God, prayerfully, the Spirit of God will fill me so that I can encourage you in this moment. I want to do through this message what the early church did when the Spirit fell upon them. So as we look at this text, I, I wish that I had time to linger on the sequence of events that leads up to verse 22 to show you how remarkable it is what Paul does here. But in short, Paul is so concerned that these young believers be confirmed and strengthened in their faith he is so concerned that they be encouraged in their faith that he returns to towns and cities where he had just been stoned and persecuted. That gives us some idea of how important encouragement is. Paul is willing to risk his life to make sure that these young believers were strengthened in their souls. So with that sense of urgency, Let's look at the text and let me, let me try to encourage your faith by sharing with you four exhortations, four encouragements. Number one, continue in the faith. Number two, have realistic expectations. Number three, cling to kingdom hope. And number four, trust the care of God. Number one, continue in the faith. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, whatever you're going through, whatever the challenges, whatever the stresses and strains, I plead with you, I urge you, continue in the faith. Look at verse 22. They were strengthening the souls of disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. They were telling these young disciples, don't give up. Don't turn back. And I, I am urging you, I am encouraging you, uh, you again, whatever you're going through, do not turn back. Keep on keeping on. Continue in the faith. Don't, don't be like the Israelites of old. You, you know the story, right? They were in Egypt in bondage for 400 years and then God sent Moses along to declare to Pharaoh, the, the ruler of Egypt, let my people go. And Pharaoh resisted and hardened his heart and God sent plague after plague and finally broke uh, Pharaoh's will, so to speak, and Pharaoh let the people go. But the people escaped bondage and had to go into the wilderness. And in the wilderness began to face hardships and difficulties. And these discouraged them. And these lifted or, or caused uh, complaining and murmuring among them. And eventually, 
because of their complaining and murmuring. Sometimes in their murmuring saying, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to where things were even better than they are now. Eventually, that complaining and that murmuring were so rooted in unbelief that they weren't able to enter the promised land. They, they quit in their faith. They gave up in their faith. And they missed out on the promises of God. Oh, dear ones, do not quit. Be strong in faith. Heed the words of Jude verses 17-21 through 21 in this tiny letter near the end of the New Testament with but one chapter. Jude 1 or Jude verses 17-21. through 21. We read these words, But you must remember, beloved, you must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers. We are in the last time. In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved. And I say, but you, dear church, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Be building yourself up in your most holy faith. Do not be passive about your faith. Do not be lazy about your faith. Do not be careless about your faith. Be active, feed your faith, nourish your faith, strengthen your faith, renounce and denounce anything that undermines that faith or weakens that faith. Whatever it is you're watching, whatever it is you're listening to, whoever it is that you're listening to, renounce those things and hear this and and feed your faith. Continue in the faith. Be strong. Be resolved. Be Faithful to the end. Continue in what you have started. Oh, may this this word of encouragement strengthen our souls. Continue in the faith. Number two, have realistic expectations. Have realistic expectations. Going back to Acts 14 and verse 22 we read that they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Here here is a promise from God. This is not the kind of promise that is going to make you happy Though it is the kind of promise that will make you ready. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Look at these words with me. One by one. Through 
many tribulations. The text does not say, the apostles do not say, out of or from or around many temptations you will enter the kingdom of God, but through many temptations you will enter the kingdom of God. There, there are times when God does deliver us from. There are times when God delivers us out of. There are times when God delivers us around tribulations. But in this text, we are told that it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. The road to the kingdom of God, the eternal place of God's dwelling, the eternal place of God's throne and His peace, the road to the kingdom is a road through tribulations. Through, notice the next word, many tribulations. The word can be translated many, can be translated much, can be translated great. The idea is that we must enter the kingdom of God through great, through much, through many tribulations. Not a few. Not an occasional tribulation. Not a once in a while tribulation or trial. But many. Not a handful of trials. Not two handfuls of trials. But many. Not few. Not occasional. But many and persistent and indeed, truth be told, tribulations that will never end this side of eternity. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The word that Paul uses here, the Greek word, translates a word that means at its root, that which presses or squeezes. Tribulations are experienced that press us, that distress us, that oppress us. They squeeze our minds. They squeeze our, our thoughts and our hearts and our emotions with anxiety and sorrow. They include persecution and mockery and slander from enemies of Christ. They also include internal pressures and life pressures and money pressures and COVID pressures and whatever other pressures come our way that tend to kind of squeeze or tighten the vice grip of stress upon our minds and upon our hearts. It is through many such tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. But the words go on through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We must. We have to. This is a must, if you will, of inevitability, inevitability and of necessity. We must go through many tribulations in the sense that it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And we must, in terms of necessity, there are reasons for tribulation that God has for the good of our souls. It is inevitable. And it is necessary. Later on, Paul the Apostle would think back on this moment in Acts 14 and his persecution. 
And he would write in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, toward the very end of his life, writing to young Timothy, a young pastor. He writes in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted while evil people, he goes on, and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What Paul is saying to Timothy and to us is this, if you live godly in Christ, that means if you are courageous enough to proclaim the truth of Christ, if you are courageous enough to live like Christ, to love like Christ, if you are courageous enough to stand for the truth, if you are courageous enough to bear the name of Christ without blushing or without shame, you will be persecuted, and it's going to get worse and worse, for evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, believing lies, believing that Jesus is not who He is, believing the worst about Jesus and His church. The world will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, persecuting more and more people who live in denial of the truth of God end up persecuting the people of God. It is inevitable. So don't be surprised at what is coming upon us and what we're seeing in the world today. In John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, I have, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Over in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Do not be surprised when fiery trial comes your way, as if something strange, something unusual, something unprecedented is happening to you. Peter goes on in chapter 5, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Another way of saying, continue in your faith. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. These same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by our brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. We must realize that it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Suffering is an essential part of the Christian life. It is a necessary part of the Christian life. It is an inevitable part of the Christian life. At a very personal level, I have been thankful in my own heart that God taught me to expect trials when I was very young. I think that was largely because I had parents who suffered for their faith, parents who sacrificed much for their faith, parents who gave up much by way of comfort and ease and prosperity and popularity for their faith. Um, I saw the cost of faithful following of Christ from my earliest days and years of life. And when Galen and I met and fell in love and planned for our wedding, um, somehow and many would think this strange, but somehow we knew that we wanted to incorporate the expectation of suffering into our wedding ceremony. I had the joy of singing to Gaylene on that occasion as I was standing on one end of the aisle and she on the other, and the song that I sang on this romantic occasion was the hymn, Day by Day. And here, here are the words of the song I chose to sing to Galen on our wedding day. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength we'll find to meet our trials here. Trusting in our Father's wise bestowment, we've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Help us then in every tribulation so to trust Thy promises, O Lord, that we lose not faith's sweet consolation offered us within Your Holy Word. Help us, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take us from a Father's hand, one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till we reach the promised land. Now how's that for a romantic song on our wedding day? What in the world was I thinking? What in the world were we thinking? Well, we knew the promises of God that trials and tribulations and troubles would come. And we knew that we would need the day-by-day -day grace of God to sustain us. And we were saying to each other on that momentous, romantic day, we were saying to each other, no matter what, 
God will be with us and we will be with each other as God is with us. Early on in life, an understanding of the inevitability and the necessity of tribulation. It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. And I say that we need to set the right expectations in this way. You see, we, we live in a time when, when Christianity is being redefined by many as being that which leads to prosperity, to health or wealth as that which leads to a kind of happy and blissful self-fulfillment, as, as if Christianity, as if Jesus is some kind of, of means of just kind of filling up the little nooks and crannies of our heart that aren't quite happy, and Jesus kind of fulfills us and satisfies us. Dear ones, all of those presentations of Christianity are false. The Christian life is a hard life. Faithfulness to Christ brings with it great tribulation. And we need to have the right expectations in that regard or by having the wrong expectations, it will lead to great disappointment. We will expect things from God that we don't get and then we'll be disappointed with God and our faith in God will be undermined and many, for this very reason, do not continue in the faith. If you come to Christ with the wrong expectations, with unrealistic expectations, if you come to Christ thinking that He is going to take all your problems away and solve all your problems and make you happy all the day long, you will be disappointed. It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Now hear that. My first encouragement is continue in the faith. My second encouragement is have and set realistic expectations lest you be disappointed. I am struck at how the Apostle set the expectations early on for these believers. Don't expect an easy path. It's going to be hard. Somehow that's encouraging. Somehow that's strengthening to our souls. The more realistic we are, uh, the stronger we are. But there's a third encouragement in the text. Cling to kingdom hope. Cling to kingdom hope. Look at verse 21 again. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord, God Almighty. And His kingdom shall last until every other kingdom is subjected to it and He is all in all. And His eternal kingdom is ushered in. This kingdom hope, there's a, there's a, as you've heard us say, uh, 
with some frequency through the years, there is a now and a not yet component uh, to our kingdom hope. Now, we are in the kingdom by faith in Christ, and the kingdom is in us through the Spirit and the power of the King Himself. Now, we are in the kingdom having become citizens of the kingdom of heaven by faith and by pledging our allegiance to King Jesus and serving His cause. But we are not yet in the kingdom in physical or visible sense, in the full visible glory of the everlasting new heaven and new earth. We are not yet in the physical kingdom where trials and tribulations will be no more, where persecution and slander and hatred and evil will no longer exist. We are not yet in the kingdom physically and forever where we will see the face of Christ and in seeing His face we will be made like Him, full of glory, beauty, and perfection. This is our kingdom Hope soon and very soon we are going to see the King. No more crying there. No more sighing there. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. We need to encourage each other with these words. Through many tribulations we must enter. Enter. We're going to enter the Kingdom of God. Oh, dear ones, continue in the faith. Set realistic expectations. Cling to kingdom hope. And finally, trust the care of God. Trust the care of God. Look at verse 22 of Acts 14. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders, that is, pastor shepherds for them, in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. God in His love for us has provided care for us as we go through these many tribulations. And we need to trust His care whether it comes to us indirectly or directly. For this care is both indirect through, in this context, pastors, elders, And it is direct as we are committed directly to the Lord's hands. It's always, always difficult or challenging, uh, somewhat awkward to talk about the role of pastors in people's lives. But we see it here, don't we? This is as it ought to be. And for all of our flaws and all of our imperfections and shortcomings as as pastors, this this is the calling that we have. Notice it. Paul has just told these believers, you're going to go through many tribulations. And what's the next thing he does? He ordains, he establishes elders in the church because he knows that the people of God are going to need 
the shepherding care of others within the church, of spiritual leaders. I know it's, it's very stylish nowadays and faddish, trendy nowadays to, to badmouth pastors and spiritual leaders and to distrust and, and even almost um, denounce them. And surely there are many charlatans out there and many who are in it for their own interest. But godly pastors will pour out their lives in order to care for the flock through many tribulations. We all need pastoral care. I'm a pastor and I need pastoral care. Nobody doesn't need it. I'm not sure that sentence came out right. All of us need pastoral care. Paul made sure to provide that because through many tribulations we need to have others walking alongside of us, caring for us. But I want us to see primarily here as I close the direct care of God. We see it in the last half of verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You see, in the end, it's, it's not what pastor we have, it's what God we have. In the end, it's, it's while pastors are called to risk everything to care for their flock and encourage them in the faith, when all is said and done, our ultimate care and security is in resting in the hands of God. They committed these young disciples directly to the care, protection of the Lord. Listen to our Lord's words in John 10. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Here is the ultimate care, the ultimate security. We must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. But all the way from this moment to the end, We will be in the Father's hand and nothing can snatch us from His hand. In His hands is the safest place to be in the universe. It is the only place to be in the midst of tribulation and trial. And it's this very same truth that Paul gets at in Romans chapter 8, verses so well known, but deservedly so. And and we encourage you to just fix these verses in your mind. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of that One into whose hands we have been committed? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That covers it all, folks. Paul says, none of this will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, our God calls us to much tribulation. Yes, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. But He will carry us and strengthen us and secure us every step of the way. Brothers and sisters, as your pastors, we want to make sure that you are not misinformed or ill-informed about what lies ahead of the church in these days and in the years to come. Evil men will go from bad to worse. All who will live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. It is not true that God intends for us to have an easy life or a calm and safe sail upon a quiet sea. It is not true that if you read your Bible and pray, everything is going to work out happily for you. It is not true that God is going to snatch us away before the real hard stuff comes. No, your tribulations and mine in this life might well increase. We as Christians have all the troubles that all the rest of the world has. And then on top of that, we have the trouble and trial and the tribulation and the persecution that comes because we are Christians. But I urge you, continue in the faith. Have realistic expectations. Cling to kingdom hope and trust the care of God. And you will find, in the words of a song I grew up singing, you will find that it will be worth it all when we see Christ. He will be the prize at the end of the journey. When we get to the kingdom of God made visible and physical, when we get to that kingdom, the first one we're going to see is King Jesus. And we will know we will know in that very second it was worth it all. So let us continue. Press on. Unwearying, unexhausted, strengthened by the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, as the Apostle did, I now do. Having encouraged the saints, to strengthen the souls of God's people. Father, I now commit Your people into Your care for the rest of this day, for this week, and on to the very end when we will be with You forever and ever. May those who are weak in faith be made strong. May those who have had unrealistic expectations be made to see the truth, but encouraged in it. 
may we all cling to kingdom hope. And above all, may we trust in your sovereign, almighty care. For you are faithful and will be faithful to the end. And now, O Lord, may grace, may peace, may hope and strength fill the hearts of your people until we meet again. We ask in the mighty name, the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God be with you. Amen.